0: This is the Coach in the Classroom podcast. Here we explore the edges of the education world. Together we expand the boundaries by asking, what else is possible here? This podcast is hosted by Martin Richards, experienced teacher, coach and author. You can read more about Martin Richards on the website martinrichards.eu.
1: Thanks for inviting me to be part of this podcast. My name is Kathleen Fanning, as you know, and I'm one of the C4E coaches. I'm based here in Ireland. My background is education, training, and for the last 15 years, coaching. In my own private practice, Invest in Yourself, I primarily work with women in higher education. And I'm happy to be here today. a coach involved in coaching for educators with you I've been curious about the origins and how it all started can you tell me
2: yeah it's a long time ago Uh, November 2014 is the the date we've recorded as the first mention of coaching for educators at the ICF conference in Scandinavia I had the idea with me i took it with me to the conference and just put up some notices asking coaches if they were interested in coaching educators i put the notice up on i think it must have been thursday evening saying meet me friday coffee and it was crowded there were 20 coaches saying yay let's do this and i had no idea <laughs> what it was i was gonna do i just came up with a cute name coaching for educators like who else <laughs>
1: what made
2: you start it? Well, I used to work as a a teacher. I've been in education all my life, one way or another. 2014, I just really landed in the idea that I am a coach. I've done the training. I've done the certification. I was getting clients. And when you, as a, a coach who's selling services, looking for your people, your niche or you know, who are you, going to, who are you going to call your own? It's felt very natural to, to turn to uh, educators. I had gone to the local colleges in Malma where I was staying at the time, five of them I think, and offered coaching to teachers there and it was on the bounce from that, from the really good results and, and uh, reception from the teachers that I'd gone to this conference really full of well, you know how I get, I get really excited about things. Hey, let's do this. It felt like a very natural thing, coaching for educators. It was like blindingly obvious to me that this was the thing to do. It's like people coming up saying, yeah, really good idea, Marty. What are we going to do? So what were
1: the early years like?
2: Well, interestingly enough, parallel with branching out into coaching educators with that kind of direct contact with the, with the colleges, we were also trying to get money for it because most of the schools where, where we, and, and trying to get the teachers interested, they didn't have money for it. I mean, they didn't know what it was, let alone have a, a budget morning we were lobbying the government and we were applying for grants left right and center I say we that that's me and coach that was interested and there were quite a few coaches that were interested in the idea of working with teachers for various reasons I like had yeah. been a teacher or they had really good teachers or really bad teachers for that matter but they saw it as an area they wanted to work with and we knew from experience that we had to come with the money. We had to say, do you want coaching? Don't worry, it's already paid. 2015, I started coaching on behalf of the Swedish government. They had managed to get money from the European Social Fund and being a government body, they were able to fill in the documents more thoroughly than we were. And they had the communication with the schools. So they went out to the schools that were quote unquote in trouble the ones that, uh, it depends on the country, but there's usually some kind of inspection of schools going on.
1: Yeah.
2: And these were schools that had been warned they had to do something, warned, encouraged to do something. And we came in as part of the variety of things that they could do, that they could bring in for their staff, for their students, for whoever was in greatest need. And then we were on the list, coaching, for the first time ever, coaching, individual coaching. And parallel with that, because they didn't want to favoritize individual coaching. They didn't know what it was, they couldn't favoritize it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they
2: also had group coaching, which was mm-hmm. a little bit more like counselling. None of the people who did that were coaches. They were all kind of a counsellor, similar sort of branch, but not quite the forward motion that coaches have. Yeah, that, that was 2015 to 18, that ran for three years. The so first the pilot, and then you added on three more years after that.
1: Right, okay. I'd say people would be wondering, what are educators like to coach?
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, the reason I love it, because they're not the same as Well, they are and they aren't. I think teachers are more sensitive towards being told what to do. Mm. I have worked with managers, sales managers, sales teams for that matter, as a consultant with a coaching approach. So I've been able to adapt some, some coaching strategies in with the consulting. They love being told what to do because it means the bottom line, more money, more promotion, yeah. more influence. I was working with, with the business communication. If I could get this group of people to work with each other better, it meant that they had a better time at work. Everyone was on board. And that was done without any sense of saying you got it wrong. But if my experience has been that if you have that approach with teachers, hi, I can coach you to be a better teacher. They turn around and and say, do you think I'm not a good teacher?
1: Exactly, who told you I wasn't?
2: (laughs) Exactly, well, there's that as well. Who says I'm not? I never meant it that way, but that's the way it it was perceived. I'd never had that really with with managers. When they say to a manager, you can do better. They say, yeah, I can, but I don't know how. Would you show me? Because for them, it means it either means to get more work done, or the same amount of work done with less effort. I mean, (laughs) who's not gonna buy into that? There was a little bit of suspicion around the, the hoopla, around coaching. It was too good to be true. The kind of marketing that was going on was a little bit not believable. I remember saying at one presentation, would it be okay if you got better results with less work? and you could, you, I could really see the disconnect between me and the, the teachers because it was like condemning them for not working hard enough at the same time not getting the good, good enough results. It was a good discussion because it brought out their worry about being a good teacher. At the same time, the, the, the attitude towards coaches and coaching as being um, not credible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was that, at least at the beginning, uh, I found ways to, to deal with it, and that the benefit of, of working for the government. I was sent in, I was already under the radar, I was already talking to teachers who'd been told you've got to do better somehow, so they were curious about doing better. Okay. I was not alone in this, working with the government, we, we were 8, 9, 10 coaches, and there were two coaches who went to a school to give a presentation, and they were met with hostility. The union was involved, there was a walkout, the the, the coaches were in tears, it was not their fault. It was, they'd gone in gung-ho, coaching is wonderful, because we all believe it's wonderful. Mm. And the teacher had their arms across their chest and said, who the hell do you think you are, basically? To even come here and speak to us. None none of you are teachers. What are you doing here? Um, Verbally torn to shreds. I, I think people probably regretted it afterwards. So we learn from that. We learn not to say certain things. We learn to ask a lot more questions. We learn to be more coach-like in our presentations. Basically, (laughs) you know, do what you say is supposed to do. Just ask those open-ended questions and let the transformation show itself. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's typical coaching hoopla.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Martin, you mentioned uh, and you referred to the executive coaching versus this coaching. Any other comments on the similarities or differences with other clients?
2: Yeah, the similarities, I think, are that both teachers and particularly middle management are between a rock and a hard place very often. They've got someone, well, they're in a hierarchy to begin with. They've got someone above them, in charge of them, saying what they should do. And they've got people on the receiving end of their work, who may or may not do what is necessary. When customers don't buy, just because Mm -hmm. your, your boss tells you you're going to sell more, it doesn't mean that the customers are going to buy more. In the same way, where a head might say, we have to raise our standards, our results are flagging. It's very different to a couple of years ago encourages the teachers to go out and do their best, maybe the students aren't on board with that, and then teachers are stuck between a rock and a hard place. So that they have similar, they are observed a great deal, teachers I mean are observed a great deal, everyone knows what teachers are doing, they have to behave ethically, they have to show their working, they have to show everything that they are going to do and have done. So There's a lot of Bookkeeping, paperwork, reports going on outside the classroom.
1: A lot more transparent. Yes. Would that be right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm. More. I think the the older the students get, the the more of bookkeeping is done. I'm not sure about that because I haven't worked in primary schools for a long time. Mm. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of expectations and pressure. And they, you know, if anything is wrong in society, well, the teachers should do it. You know, Sex yeah. education, drug education, alcohol education, you know, everything is put on education. No time to get into it, of course. So there's a lot of pressure on in, in the same way, there can be pressure on a salesperson or anyone in middle management. They have to produce the right documents, the right, they have to produce the right stuff and quickly, and everyone's watching them.
1: Yeah. So you've been clear that coaching wasn't embraced fully initially, that's one way I put it. How did you get teachers, educators to buy into coaching?
2: The lessons we learned were that we we needed to ask the teachers where they they were and where they wanted to be. We needed at least to build a relationship with them before we mentioned anything about coaching. That was one part of it, so building a relationship, credibility. And one part Mm. of that was that at least one of the pair of coaches going to each school was or had been a teacher. That really helped credibility. Yeah, of course. The fact that I've been a maths teacher, meant I could look a maths teacher in the eye and I'd say, hi, I teach maths. And immediately there's a, a connection. And I used to teach English as well. And that usually surprised people that I'd done both that I work Mm. with primary and secondary and adults with mathematics and English and drama for that matter. So I was uh, reaching out to them, where are the language teachers, making that content. And we all had one in the pair who would make that connection between the academic, the pedagogic, Mm. the caring for students and a love of your subject, because that's some of the ingredients of a teacher's life. And then we asked them, their opinions of coaching. You know, we're coaches, what do you think a coach does? We would listen and they would tell stories of what they think a coach does. I and mean, Some of them would turn your hair green because <laughs> the ideas that they had were presumably from horror movies on television and things like that where coaches, I think there's a, there's a chef who supposedly coaches people and he shouts at them. Uh, and when we heard that, it's like, Okay, have you ever, have you ever shout, uh, I don't think i mm, maybe, but it wouldn't be to serve me, it'd be just, yeah, but rare, it's rare. Uh, so we kind of squashed that. And we brought out other misconceptions around coaching. Mm. Col- collated on the board, I, I had a whiteboard and a pen, and if someone said, oh, coaches listen, I'd turn around, I'd write that. If coaches shout at you, I wouldn't turn around, and write it. And then we very quickly pick up, ah, here's a filter. You know, I'm a certified coach, I know what coaches do. What do you think they do? We asked them questions of how do you think coaching, a coaching session, uh, how do you think it happens? And what, what's, what goes on? What, what do coaches do or not do? So we got, we got them talking about coaching from their own experience. And then it was like, hmm, okay, well, thank you very much. It's a bit like students now, we were speaking to them, like, okay, you've told me your answers, here comes the, the answer. Uh, That was one way in, like empty out the the objections and then tell them with authority, I'm a certified coach. So we would have that credibility of coaching as a profession. And then we would do, from that, I used the International Coach Federation core skills, which I prepared as a slide. I just had core skills written up. There were about a dozen different things, everything from ethics, standards, communication, managing accountability and progress and we just asked the teachers which of these skills do you use? Of course, managing accountability and progress, every teacher does that and then we talked about the details of some of them and they realized that no we don't quite go that far. That was really a, a good way in just to show them something very concrete, simple, one slide we, what, what do you do? And give an example, and then we would give an example. So we were kind of on the same page. Yeah. And then the third thing was prove it. When they said they were good at listening, and teachers generally are good at they can read between the lines. Um, I mean, they were reading us. They were able to work out how long we'd known each other, whether we'd worked together before. <laughs> I mean, they, they read you. But then it was up to them to show us that they could do what they, they're called active listening, they're kind of a shrug around that because it's been pushed onto them. So show us. And we did a, a pair activity where one would actively mm-hmm. listen and the other one would maintain eye contact for like two or three minutes without speaking and noting when they wanted to say something. They counted how many times do you want to say. How many times do you have something to say? Zip it, right? Just count the number of times. <laughs> uh, who had over 10? Really? Okay, <laughs> who had over 20? i they like, Wow, you got, you managed to zip it. Okay, what does this coaching thing look like? And by this time, we'd established enough trust and rapport that somebody stepped into the empty seat, which we talked about three or four times. Here is an opportunity for somebody to get coached today. And then we talk about something, here's an opportunity, until they yeah. were almost storming the room. And then we coached, we did the confidentiality, mm. um, we sealed the room. That really helped, because that's new. Teachers don't seal the room. They shut the door most of the time. But don't seal the room in that kind of ritualistic, everything we say here stays here. Are we okay with that? Put your hand up if you agree. Everyone agrees. We see that everyone agrees, hands down. Does anyone disagree? No one, I mean, that kind of ritual Mm -hmm. locks them into, okay, it's okay, it's a safe space. One of us would coach one of the teachers We would give no advice, we wouldn't shout at them, we would just ask open-ended questions and reflect back. We kept it simple, we weren't trying to, you know, shock anybody, we just wanted to demonstrate this is what it looks like. One coach did the coaching demo, the other one would do a debrief, like what did you see the coach do? And teachers are really good at reading, as I said, reading between the lines, but also intuiting what's going on. What did the coach do? What did the coach not do? They practically cracked the code there and then in 20 minutes of demo because they are like sponges. Remember, we've gone maybe an hour and 20 minutes now. Yeah. If they aren't on board, they've left the room to go and do some marking, right? They're all in the room. They're all on board. They've seen a very rich demo. They decoded it. They're sitting with all the keys to coaching in their hands. And the the list in front of the ICF list they're almost there they obviously need to practice an awful lot the level of interest from skeptical hostile cautious to eager
1: Hmm. in
2: two hours that was with the government with the C4E it's the same thing visiting either physically or speaking with a head teacher like you and I are speaking through Zoom, take them through the same process, empty out their objections, because they'll have some objections, find out their experience, find out why they want to have coaching or why they want their people to have coaching, and then demonstrate the professionality of coaching, that we have rules about how we're supposed to behave. Yeah. We have ethics. We have uh, core skills get them to buy into which of the core skills they would use as a leader as a manager or of, of multiple people how do they how do they see this coaching these skills and then we tell them it's coaching and they go yeah it kind of gets uh, they, they call it leadership um leading from the heart was someone them called it a coaching conversation and lots of them do that lots of head teachers do that kind of conversation without knowing without calling it coaching they would just call it you know doing their job yeah. That, that's how we get them on board. Um, yes. And then there's, then there's that threshold of, are they willing to commit to being coached now? Oh, that's yeah. another thing.
1: Yeah. And now it's grown. So you started in Sweden and you started with that initiative. And now you have coaches from many, many countries. Does the coaching happen face to face or online? Or could you talk a little bit about that?
2: That's true. Um, All the coaching I'd done through the Swedish government was face-to-face. We were allowed, in exceptional circumstances, to do it over over the phone for timetabling reasons or whatever, Uh, but it was not popular. However, it's only what we do through C4E. We only have our coaching by phone Mm -hmm. or by Skype or Zoom or whatever, whatever works. It's different in different countries. Because the coaches are all over the world and the clients are also all over the world and the way of getting gotcha. them to connect is just give them their email addresses and they find a way of talking to each other uh, we don't need to see sometimes it's nice to see each other but we don't need to see each other um, to, for the for the coaching to work but we do one-to-one over the phone over Skype individual coaching yeah.
1: okay Are there any challenges with coaching online?
2: Yeah, some people don't like it. (laughs) Some people have never been coached over the phone before and they have no idea what it is and they don't want it because they don't know what it is. The only way to find out what it is, is to do it. And that's... I think there are some challenges with making a strong relationship or let's say growing a strong relationship It's easy to come across too strong as a coach. If you say, I'd like you to fill in this 20 page questionnaire or something, uh, that might be overload. Or if you're very lax and laid back and the client expects something like a 360 analysis, you might get in in a business. Yeah, I think that's a challenge to make that first contact work out. Which is why we say that the very first contact, you are seeing if the chemistry works. I think in one occasion it hasn't, out of all, the hundred and something. Uh, let me think, only one person's asked for a different coach. Mm-hmm. We found it difficult in the early part of this um, project to get educators to commit. They'd say they wanted coaching, but they wouldn't commit to actually being coached, which was a bit yeah. of a conundrum. Now we have raised the bar a little through the website where they make their application. We've made it more difficult for people to apply, which means that people who aren't serious about it don't apply. Well, they might start and then give up. We could change that a little bit, so it's a little bit easier, but I'm concerned that we would then get an avalanche of people who said, yes, I'm interested, and then not turn up. Because making that commitment to the first meeting is, is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, once, once people are on board with, yes, this is going to happen, then if they have the first meeting, yeah, they usually get to, to the end. Sometimes things get in the way that maybe one session was enough. It answered the question that the client had. What is coaching? Now I know. Don't need any more. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. We offer four for free because it's a way of beginning, middle and end. You, you've had a start. You know what it is. Let's have some really good coaching and then let's wrap it up at the end. So, hence the four, four hours.
1: Okay. So, looking forward, Martin, what are your hopes for C4E?
2: Well, I really hope that teachers get a taste for coaching. They, they see it as a natural addition to what they're already doing, or let's say a Formalization of what they're already doing, coaching skills. They could pull straight into the way they communicate with their, themselves, mostly, but that tends not to come first, uh, the way they communicate with their students, which is most likely to be the first thing, and uh, the way they communicate with each other, and the way the managers or the, the um, head teachers communicate with their staff. Just to have that pause, openness, non-judgment, curiosity, all the stuff that we train and drill as, as a coach, I'm hoping some of that will rub off because young people ache for it.
0: have been listening to the Coach in the Classroom podcast, where we explore the edges of the education world. Together we expand the boundaries by asking, what else is possible here? For more information, contact Martin Richards via the website martinrichards.eu. That's martinrichards.eu.